0600. What's the O stand for? Oh, my God, it's early. Speaking of early... Good morning! Oh, and in case I don't see you, good afternoon, good evening, and good night. They're all completely gassed! They've given it everything on the global bucket! Here comes Diggins! Here comes Diggins! Diggins making the play around Sweden! Jesse yes! Diggins yes! to the line! Yes! And it is yes! Jesse Diggins! Oh! So, uh, how did it go today? Pretty, 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 pretty good. Just when I thought I was out, pull me back in. It's time for the Mickey Plyler Show, here on The Roar. William Byron wins his first Daytona 500 rain delayed on Monday. College basketball, Houston beats Iowa State. Virginia Tech destroys Virginia. Baseball today, Clemson going to Austin Gordon against Presbyterian. South Carolina against Winthrop. A busy Tuesday show, so let's go. Morning, sports fans. Glad to have you with us for the Tuesday edition of the Mickey Plyler Show. Tuesday, February 20th, 2024. Hope all is well. Looking forward to a great show today. A lot to do today. Three guests today. Eric Backett's Clemson baseball coach, is going to join us at 7.05. Going to review the opening series sweep of uh, Xavier. Uh, then we'll get into uh, the today's game. Presbyterian coming to town. And then a, a three-game set at home against Kennesaw State this weekend. Uh, at 7.05. 7.25, Dr. Milt Louder. They had a great podcast coming out on Amplos.com. We'll get our sports and performance psychologist at 7.25. And we'll talk about the newest Gamecock assistant football coach with Tony Morrell at 8.05 this morning. Obviously, some Daytona 500 talk, some college basketball talk, college baseball talk, and maybe a little Florida State ACC legal battle talk on the show today. And uh, don't check your calendars. It is Tuesday. However, this week, seemingly, I'm hoping that our producer today, Facts and Children's, tells me that Tuesday is the best day of the week. Uh, a day early, my friend. Good morning. How you doing? A day early. Big shout out to Will Clanton for uh, the last minute swap when I had some school scheduling stuff going on, but yeah. excited to be here on Tuesday. Going to adapt it as the best day of the week this week, Mickey. Nice. Very, very nice. Um, g- good luck with the test. You'll do great, as usual. Uh, segment two, what are we going to do today? Segment two, want to talk some bracketology. Um, a lot going on on the ACC scene last night as Virginia got drubbed by Virginia Tech. So ACC in legitimate peril of falling to three bids, and that would not be a good look for the entirety of the league. I, I'm not concerned about the rest of the league. We'll talk about that coming up. I, I'll give my thoughts on that. I mentioned it before. Houston beat Iowa State last night 73-65. Second ranked Houston beat sixth ranked Iowa State. Great game there. The story of the night in college basketball, besides the brawl at Texas A&M, Commerce, and, and Incarnate Word, is what happened in Blacksburg, Virginia. Virginia Tech held Virginia to 16 first-half points. Virginia Tech beat Virginia 75-41. 
Virginia Tech moves to seven and eight in the league, and it was yet another offensive disaster for Virginia. They shot just 32% from the field, uh, just 16% from three, and again held to 16 points in that first half. Uh, I'm going to ask you at some point in time uh, in this show, maybe this segment, I'll tell you why I think a Virginia basketball fan is a lot like an Iowa football fan <laughs> that you know the blueprint, but man, and you got to take some pride in how you win in games and all that, but, man, it would be hard. It be extremely hard. I know they won a national championship. I know they won ACC championships. I know that their their style has, has led to a lot of wins, so it just be hard. So we'll talk about that a little bit. Big night in the uh, Atlantic Coast Conference coming up tonight. Syracuse at NC State. Uh, Syracuse trying to climb in that fourth spot uh, conversation. State trying to grasp it solo at this point in time. That's up in Raleigh. Boston College, Florida State. Florida State trying to get in that, that conversation as well. And then a mega game as far as the fourth spot is concerned. Pittsburgh goes to Wake Forest tonight. Uh, tomorrow night you'll see uh, Clemson trying to get off the deck down in Atlanta. 7 o'clock down at Georgia Tech, 6.30 pregame show. Uh, Clemson baseball going today at uh, 4 o'clock, 3.30 pregame show. We'll tell you all about the uh, Clemson Presbyterian pitching matchups and all that coming up. I do want to tell you about the baseball polls that are out. In the National Collegiate Baseball Writers Association, Clemson is 8th and South Carolina 16th. Wake Forest first in in uh, this poll. In the we have too many polls, Faxon, in baseball. In the perfect game poll, Wake Forest won. Clemson is number um, eighteen. South Carolina number twelve. In the D one baseball poll, uh, the uh, Tigers are tenth, and the Gamecocks are twenty first. And in the Baseball America poll, South Carolina 12th and Clemson 9th. So we got a lot there. Well, I do want to tell you about college baseball from last night. Three ranked teams. Uh, seventh ranked Oregon State, 6 1 victory over Minnesota. Second ranked Arkansas shut out James Madison, 4 0. And third ranked LSU beat uh, Ar- or Central Arkansas, 4 3. We have college baseball today, besides Clemson and Presbyterian at 4. Also, 4 o'clock, Winthrop heads down to South Carolina. Uh, got a bunch of other ACC games to tell you about as far as that is concerned. Um, and in that Clemson and uh, um, Clemson and Presbyterian game, I should say. I'm trying to think about PC. Presbyterian, yeah, of course. Uh, that is uh, 4 o'clock with um, the Tigers. Austin Gordon going for Clemson, guy that was the ACC staff last year. On a little bit more of a pitch count coming out of – uh, fall ball going into the spring. A little bit, they held him back a little bit. So he's a little farther behind in his uh, arm strength uh, drills and, and getting that arm strength back up. We'll ask Eric Backage about that and what that looks like coming up. But just one quick note. Have you seen any of the Presbyterian baseball stats for the season? I have not. All right. PC, and again, not very good competition. They, they played four games over the weekend. They're 4-0. Presbyterian is averaging 14 and a half runs a game. They swept St. Peter's. PC's hitting 424. Um, and Brody Fair, Brody Farr is their leading hitter. Facts, over the weekend, he went 11 of 15. He's hitting 733 with 10 RBIs. Joe Dragu hit four home runs and 14 RBIs in four games. And Ryan Outs had two home runs, 11 RBIs. Uh, they, they just scored just tons of runs. Obviously, a little different pitching 
they'll see today. But, man, they're bringing a good offense down. Finally, Daytona 500. William Byron won this one. I only watched about the last 20 laps. But William Byron wins. He beats his teammate Alex Bowman. A wreck on the uh, entering the final lap. Because it's an anti-dramatic finish. But Christopher Bell Bell third in the Daytona 500. It's Byron's first win. Dominated by the the top two there with uh, Hendricks Motorsports. And really the Chevys were something on the lines of like seven of the top ten in the Chevrolet Camaros at Daytona. So good stuff. Finally got the uh, the Daytona 500 in. All right, explain to me a couple things. We'll talk some bracketology here in a second. Uh, explain to me what in the world happened last night in Blacksburg, Virginia. 75-41. Virginia, oh, by the way, was playing great basketball. Um, they did beat Wake Forest 49-47. Interesting stat Will Clatton pointed on yesterday's show. They missed their first 10 free throws. They're one of 11 from the line in that victory. Uh, the Pittsburgh loss before that stopped an eight-game winning streak, so they still won eight of the last 10, but just an absolute just bloodletting last night. 34-point win by Virginia Tech at home against Virginia. Yeah, really bad loss for the conference as a whole, not just Virginia. Uh, you know, Virginia was presumably a lock headed into this game, and the only way that they could not be a lock for the field of 68 was a total collapse, obviously losing like five of your last six, but we figured that's not going to happen with the Tony Bennett coach team. The other scenario to potentially be left out of the field of 68 would be to get blown out. And yes, Tony Bennett has won a national championship at Virginia, but Tony Bennett has also lost to a 16 seed at Virginia. When you play the play style that Virginia does, it induces upsets and it induces blowouts because they don't have the ball for and they don't have the ball for a lot of the game and they don't have a lot of time to make up for their mistakes if that makes sense. When you are dribbling the ball down to less than 10 seconds on the shot clock every possession on offense, you're putting a lot of pressure on your defense to get stops and everybody's always like, "Oh, well it's super hard to come back against Virginia." And that's the truth. But when Virginia gets down 10-plus, it's really hard for them to come back into games as well. Uh, Last night, Mickey, Virginia dropped 14 spots in the Ken Palm rankings because of that one loss. They are now 65th in Ken Palm behind teams like McNeese State, shout out to Will Wade, Seton Hall, Grand Canyon, Iowa, teams that are really not even contending for automatic qualifiers at this point into the field of 68. So uh, it's a really bad loss for Virginia. It's a really bad loss for the league. And as far as Virginia Tech goes... They're now in consideration, I guess, but still a very, very underwhelming resume and a lot of work to do in Blacksburg. Both those teams are typical examples of what we're seeing in the middle of, of the uh, ACC and that both of them have wins you can point to uh, as far as the resume builders. But both of them have such bad losses that it crushes any kind of thought of that. And so in the net readies right now, are you a <clears> – <throat> Do you expect the net ratings to be important? I know every every committee is different, but you pay attention to the net. Is the net a big factor in your opinion? Will it be a big factor again? Yeah, I mean, it, it's predictive metrics, right? And, you know, while I disagree with some of the fundamental concepts involved with the net, and I don't think we should be changing our opinion on a team's win based on what they do three weeks later. Like, for example, if NC State moves up to top 75 in the net, which we're expecting that they are at some point, that goes from a quad three to a quad two loss for Clemson. So that has a chance to help their resume. But I do think that a lot of people get lost in that and overvalue it. I think it's a good barometer. The NCAA Tournament Committee is going to look at it, and it's going to play a minor factor, but... 
what's more important is your actual resume on paper. And what they're giving to the committee are the team sheets that's going to have strength of schedule, non-con strength of schedule, strength of record, net rating. They're going to lay out all of your metrics and all of your numbers on one sheet for the entire committee to view. And listen, if your numbers don't look good, you're probably not getting in. That was the name of the game last year as a non-conference strength of schedule. That was pretty poor, held back Clemson. That's happening to a couple teams this year as well. Now, a lot of people are probably wondering, why is Clemson 17-8 and eight this year but went 23-10 and 10 last year and got left out? And it's for that exact reason. It's the same reason that South Carolina is dropping to the 60s in the net after a couple losses. When you play nobody in the non-conference schedule, your metrics are going to suffer when you do take losses, especially if they're blowouts. Last night, the loss to Virginia dropped them nine spots in the net from 41st to 50. Uh, you mentioned Virginia Tech moving up. They moved from 67 to 53. Despite Virginia Tech being 15 and 11 and Virginia being 20 and 7. Uh, you mentioned South Carolina as well. The, the past two losses have the Gamecocks down to 59 now. They dropped one last night from 58 to 59. If you're keeping score at home, Clemson 27th in those uh, net rankings. We'll talk about bracketology coming up. I wanted to, to quickly get this idea, and we, we'll, I'll tell you, I'm going to say that it's an idea um, about what, the, what that loss meant for Clemson and NC State the other day. So. We'll get into that coming up just a, a little bit. All right, uh, we're going to talk some bracketology after a short break. My friends at Patterson's Tax Service, uh, this morning I passed by three cars there. It's been zero, now, and then it was one in January, now two in February, now three in, in mid-February. We're about the halfway point, folks. Uh, my mom called yesterday and said, do you have any taxes yet? Well, no, Mom, first week in March. I always do the first week in March. So I got those right around the corner. Uh, get your appointment set up right now. <laughs> Sorry, <laughs> some Patterson's Tax Service, they'd love to help you out. P-A-T-T-X.com, pattex.com. Call them today, uh, set the appointment, get it done, get it done right. There's our great friends over at the Patterson Tax Service. Anywhere you can hear my voice, they'll take care of you at the Patterson Tax Service. We'll take a short break. We'll come back, talk to Bracketology with Facts and Childress right after this. It's a new year, but one thing remains the same. Elkmont is the Upstate's destination for the best in lifestyle clothing, shoes, unique gifts, outdoor gear, and so much more. Offering great footwear from on-running, vans, UFOs, Birkenstock, and more. Incredible selection of jewelry featuring Kendra Scott and game day and lifestyle clothing from the most popular brands like Patagonia, Viore, Filson, Free Fly, Columbia, Z Supply, Howler Brothers, and more. Shop South Carolina's largest selection of on-running shoes and enjoy great discounts on select game day and winter apparel as our winter clearance sale begins. Find the latest arrivals and fashion trends from Elkmont's Facebook and Instagram pages or shop Elkmont online at elkmonttradingcompany.com. That's E-L-K-M-O-N-T tradingcompany.com. Elkmont is conveniently located in Powdersville off of 153 and in Clemson at 93 and Highway 123. And finally, go Tigers! We're talking with Eric Snyder of Snyder Tree Care. What can I expect from my first appointment with Snyder Tree Care? Uh, so the first appointment is going to be an arborist, a certified arborist coming out, walking your property with you, looking at your trees and shrubs and finding out are the problems, are there diseases. So we're there to give our client a peace of mind and we're going to make recommendations, not just cutting them down because we can do more than just cut a tree down. We're really interested in preserving those trees and shrubs. Leave it to Schneider Tree Care. 
Bosch is hosting a direct hire event for maintenance technicians at 1100 Scottsbridge Road in Anderson on Tuesday, February 27th from 9 to 2. Recently increased pay rates and multiple shifts. Learn more and RSVP at hdijobs.com backslash Bosch. Get two scratch-made sausage biscuits from Bojangles for just $4. It's bow time. Whether you're in the market for a new or pre-owned vehicle, See for yourself why the team at Ralph Hayes Toyota in Anderson has been blocking out the competition for 75 years. PJ Hall here, letting you know if you want to stay on top during the regular and postseason, Ralph Hayes Toyota has your next ride. From their certified pre-owned to all their new 2024 Toyotas, South Carolina's oldest Toyota dealer welcomes you. Ralph Hayes Toyota, Clemson Boulevard, Anderson. We wrote the book on price. Ralph Hayes Toyota. Harbin Lumber Company has been helping build dreams since 1917, proudly serving our local communities for over 100 years for all your building material needs. With spring around the corner, now is the time to think about a new deck or deck remodel or screen porch. Have it completed so you can enjoy the great outdoors. Visit HarbinLumber.com or call us at 706-356-4300 and let us show how we can help with your vision. That's 706-356-4300. I'm Eddie Bennett. Bennett Equipment is your premier independent local construction equipment rental and sales source. With three locations in the upstate and one in North Georgia, our Takeuchi lineup of track loaders, excavators, and wheel loaders, and full line of attachments are ready to make your jobs easy. So don't settle for less. Choose the best with Bennett and Takeuchi. Proudly supplying equipment in our region for 24 years. When you need equipment in the upstate or North Georgia, buy it or rent it from Bennett eBay Motors is here for the ride. Go ahead, feel your engine. Admire that perfectly installed exhaust. Your vehicle's moving along this freeway like it was made from fresh installs and a whole lot of love. With eBay Motors, you get over 122 million parts to keep it running. And with eBay Guaranteed Fit, they'll be the perfect fit every time. Plus, at these prices, well, we're burning rubber, not cash. Keep your ride or die alive at ebaymotors.com. Eligible items only. Exclusions apply. Powered by Upcountry Fiber, we are 105.5 and 97.5 The Roar. Providing fiber internet, HDTV, and phone service, Upcountry Fiber is a stronger connection. The Roar, the only media outlet where you won't need a two-step authentication to access. It's going to be exciting. The Roar, where every day's game day. Welcome back. Glad to have you with us. Uh, fast food, I don't know if you've seen it or not. Obviously, inflation has been a big story in our country. And when you go to fast food now, uh, it's like sticker shock. Like sometimes uh, when I go to, to, to fast food, I'll go, uh, this is what I, I want. This is what I'm getting used to. And I don't really pay attention to what they say as far as what the price is because I'm going to drive around first window, second window, trying to find that out. And then all of a sudden, I get there and they tell me what I owe them. I'm like, whoa, man. So if you're tired of going out to eat and paying 10 or $20 for a meal, let alone breakfast, uh, and, and if you haven't heard yet, go get the very best value in breakfast. It's the Wendy's 2 for $3 Biggie Bundle. This includes two of either a sausage biscuit, egg and cheese biscuit, small seasoned potatoes, or a medium hot coffee. Two items, $3. It's great food. 
here's the thing. Get you a um, get you a uh, egg a, a sausage biscuit and an egg and cheese biscuit. Let me go ahead and just just knock that out. You're gonna love our great friends over at Wendy's. In case you haven't done it already, check out Wendy's breakfast this morning, and your bank account will thank you later. Uh, we love Wendy's. We love the the fact that you can get in, and get out, get you back on the road, get you in the office, get the kids to school. Got a carload of kids back there. Start their day off right as well. Our great friends over at Wendy's. Um, because of some technical issues, we'll do segment two coming up in segment three today. Uh, I want to talk a little bit in this segment about what's going on in the ACC and uh, Florida State. In case you did not see it, it's a March 22nd date coming up. Uh, our friends over at uh, Florida State and the, and the ACC, we know that there's been some lawsuits, some counter lawsuits going back and forth. Uh, I've been asked what does this means to what does this mean to Clemson. I'm still checking with a couple of my Clemson sources on that, so I have not had an answer what it means for Clemson. Uh, common sense wise, it would tell you that, um, or the news came out on Friday is that the ACC looks like it's willing to negotiate and saying that that the uh, Florida State can buy back their rights. Now, obviously, if that is the case, and obviously, if Florida State, if the ACC is looking for Florida State to buy those back. They're going to go full rights and full full dollar amount as far as what they're going to offer. And Florida State's obviously going to offer much less than that. That's when they'll go to a negotiating table and, and some sort of out-of-court settlement is, I think, the goal and the aim of that. It might not be. Uh, I'm not a lawyer, but and, and there's a bunch of, of legal things. I've talked to a couple of lawyers about this in, in, uh, since Friday, and, and they talked about a couple of uh, legal strategies that go about through those things. In the end, you know, cases are, are based upon uh, strength and cases are based upon who has the leverage. And obviously the perceived leverage, both probably perceive the leverage to be pretty high. I would say that, uh, according to the lawyers I talked to, one of the lawyers I talked to is that it looks like that the ACC kind of realizes that uh, that they're kind of on a, on a, a losing end here and kind of wanting to negotiate some sort of settlement that they reached out first on this case. Um, how long... That looks what that looks like. The calendar, what all that looks like, I'm really not sure. With that said, uh, maybe Clemson, North Carolina, other schools kind of sit back and see if it can be settled. If there is a dispute settlement uh, between the ACC and Florida State, as far as Florida State getting their grant of rights back, and that's something I'll talk about here in a second. Um, if, if that is the case, then then maybe that opens the floodgates to sooner rather than later. Um, my guess is that Florida State will end up paying. I'm, I'm just guessing here, spitballing this, 150 million to 200 million in that range, which is pennies compared to what they would have had to pay on on the big end. So, uh, 30, 40 percent, something along those lines. So they're saving themselves a, a couple hundred million dollars. Uh, the, the ACC lets Florida State out. Florida State wants out. You know, in, in many cases, and, and this is again legal talk. I was talking to some some folks about the weekend about. Uh, if someone wants out, then then they're going to get out, and you need to let them out. Now, with the way contracts are written, they need to pay for what is out and pay to get out of those kind of things. But um, you, you don't want them around. They don't want to be around. Uh, but you do want them to suffer the penalty if, if if they're the ones wanting out. If you want out, obviously, you want out and you're willing to do uh, – you, <laughs> you want to minimize that. But anyway, what that looks like, is that uh, and what I'm really trying to tell you is we don't know and we don't know what the leverage looks like we don't know what, what will be decided on that and what the settlement might look like in the end with that said I think this is a good sign that the ACC is the beginning stages uh, the beginning first couple of steps that they're going to be out 
Um, and then Clemson, it will be interesting to see. And again, I don't have a feel yet. I've not talked to my Clemson sources yet on this. Just hadn't been able to get around to doing it and hadn't been able to get returns on this yet. But we will check with those and see uh, what Clemson's strategy is and, and maybe save them some some legal issues through all of that. I know Clemson, North Carolina, uh, very interested. Uh, I think if, uh, NC State, Virginia Tech, uh, a lot of people very interested in kind of exploring their grant of right options. One thing that, that I don't think people understand is it, it is called the grant of rights because you're basically granting your television rights and broadcasting rights over to the conference. And so you, you voluntarily give those up and let them negotiate those rights out of it. So Florida State's trying to do that. And in the end, what this is saying by trying to get those rights back, it is not saying that you're leaving the ACC. In essence, it is. But legally, you're not leaving the ACC. What you're trying to get is your television rights back yourself to yourself. And by doing that, then you become a free agent to say, all right, we own our own rights now. We're willing to grant these to the Big Ten or to the SEC or to the Big 12. So that's where, where all, what all that means, what all that comes to. I will tell you that there is some shocking, surprising news in the original bids for the college football playoff moving to, to 12 teams. Um, according to a couple of published uh, tweets and, and uh, thoughts, those, these bids are coming in much, much lower for those first-round games than anticipated. The numbers that, that I have read online is that they were hoping for $100 million and, and the bids for like $5 million. It's like 5% of what they're expecting. This is a little bit surprising. What television networks are telling you are, are one of two things here. Number one is that they don't have the, the, uh, the funds to get into it. Or maybe more importantly, because this is what they're bidded out this way, is that they really don't value the first-round playoff games. The value comes from the later playoff games. So we'll end up seeing what all that could look like um, in the end. Faxon, with us? Yeah, uh, so we're still out on the radio side, but up on the app. Okay. Still trying to troubleshoot some technical difficulties here. Okay, good, good, good deal. So, again, uh, there's the, – in summary of what that looks like is that there are more questions than answers. What happened on Friday is the ACC basically opened the door that if Florida State wants to buy those rights back, they can do that. That's a little bit of surprise. That is a little bit because if, if what, what the ACC is basically saying there is that they're for sale to Florida State. Um, how many times have you seen it where, where you know, something's not for sale and, and no matter what, there's not enough money? Not enough money to buy it. Like the like the family that owns the, the house at Augusta National in the parking lot and been offered millions of dollars for it. No, we're not we're not interested in selling. It's not for sale. Uh, everybody has a price. You think they have a price, but in this case, uh, if something's not for sale and there's a principal involved, and that's basically what the I thought the ACC stance would be, and you go to court trying to fight that out, we'll find out now that maybe the ACC is willing to, to negotiate a little bit. So we'll see. Um, I do think that Florida State. Clemson, North Carolina, all that will follow suit, do have the leverage in this case. And it is clear they want out. And, and one of the things that we hadn't talked enough about is just the PR of it all. Is what do you have, if a legal document is the only thing holding you together, do you even have a relationship? If you're married and you're not getting divorced just because you don't want to have to go through all the legal stuff, 
then you don't really have a marriage. If, if you're in business with a partner and the only thing keeping the partnership is just a, a legal piece of paper, then you really don't have a true partnership. And there is some something to be said for the ACC just on a an overall picture of, hey, you know what? We don't want to be here. And if we don't want to be here, then what are we doing? What are you doing? What are we doing? Let's just let's find a way to dissolve this thing because I, I don't want to be here anymore. And in the end, if, if you want out bad enough, they'll get out. But the the dot in the I's and crossing the T's, the devil in the details comes down to what does that dollar figure look like? Now, finally, March 22nd is the date that Florida State and the next uh, legal date between Florida State and the ACC. We are about a month away from that. I think that is a little bit quicker than most anticipated. Or, the, or not most, I shouldn't say that. I don't know about most. And then some anticipated. And that moves the timeline up a little bit. Remember, you're trying to get to that, that August 15th, the next huge date as far as the next big deadline. So I think that Clemson, Florida State, North Carolina, all would like to have their situation resolved by August the 15th to be able to know if they're going to stay in the conference another year or not and, and what that might look like. So we'll see. Again, more legal questions than answers. This was a um, – this just set more questions in place. <coughs> how, <coughs> how motivated uh, is the ACC to settle? What do the other schools think? Oh, by the way, I've not talked to anybody about this. What does Virginia think about the possibility of, of, of Florida State leaving? Does Virginia just need the money? Is Virginia leaving to go, go as well? Is Virginia wanting Florida State to leave to let them leave because it opens the door for more leaving? See, a person I think that Virginia, North Carolina, NC State, Virginia Tech, Clemson, Florida State, and I even think Miami deep now, I think these teams want to leave. I think they want to go to bigger or greener pastures and get a little more stable situation to take care of themselves. So do you do you want to fight North, uh, Florida State trying to leave to, to hold it together? Do you want to fight Florida State trying to leave to get your legal money that's owed to you and then you leave yourself? How long is that money paid out? See, these are all questions that, that are, are difficult to answer at this point in time, but we'll get a little clearer image starting on March the 22nd. Uh, I felt like that Friday's document, again, was a little faster than people thought. But what we don't know is what's, what's the rest of the league strategy? What's, what's, and not, I'm not talking about the ACC. I'm talking about the individual schools. Clemson needs for the Florida State thing to go through. That's a path for Clemson. It is obvious that Clemson wants out. I think it's it's obvious North Carolina wants out. I think it's obvious that that Virginia is leaning towards wanting out. And then once that happens, then Virginia Tech and NC State have to protect themselves. I don't know sure if Virginia Tech and NC State want out or not, but I know that at that point in time, they've got to protect themselves because they don't want to get stuck in the remaining ACC with SMU, Cal, and Stanford, and Pittsburgh, and Syracuse. And ACC dissolves, that, and that's what those three were brought in for, oh, by the way, because you got to have numbers, right? If you got – the ACC has way too many schools now. But if three or four leave, you protect themselves numbers-wise there, maybe going out of Central Florida or out of East Carolina, something like that. Won't we Central Florida now because it's a big 12, but out of East Carolina, something like that. Navy, whatever it might be to get your numbers back. But what, what's, what's the strategy? What's Wake Forest's strategy? You know, what's their, what do they want out of all this? That's what we don't know at this point in time. Fascinating stuff, man. 
But I think what we notice there is that uh, it is becoming uh, the March 22nd date is important, and that date is a little bit sooner than than, than uh, some at least had anticipated. All right, uh, before our next break, I will tell you about our awesome friends at the Davis Law Group. Here's the thing about the Davis Law Group. Uh, it's the people that have the expertise and stuff that, that you and I don't have. Speaking of legal, um, if if this was a workers' comp case in the ACC, well, that's easy. You just call Rick Rick Davis. If that as if it's a family court law, and it is family court, the ACC and Florida State are all family here, right? <laughs> if it's a family court case, we call call Will Davis. See, the, the, the Davis Law Group in, in Greenville, fourth and fifth generation Greenvillians, do an incredible job. So when it comes to workers' comp, you, you, you might have had a moment at work, you might be out from work from an injury on the job. You might not know uh, what your options are. Maybe you might have worked longer than you would have anticipated, and maybe you're struggling to make ends meet. You're worried about uh, going to your employer. You need help. You need a, just a starting database, a starting line, a starting strategy. If any of that sounds familiar, you need to talk to Rick Davis. He's been helping folks the, the upstate navigate workers' comp issues now for 40 years, and his experience will pay off in the end. Uh, there's a lot of attorneys out there. There's not many that have the that actually see your attorney personally all the way through from start to finish and get those answers. Workers' comp questions answered today by getting in touch with Rick Davis, getting that path forward with Rick Davis, the, the Davis Law Group. Davis.law, that's Davis.law. We'll come back. We'll get segment two, talk us some bracketology. We're going to talk a lot of college baseball on the show. We'll know what you thought about the Daytona 500. There is an awful lot to do here on a busy Tuesday. And then Eric Backage at 7.05, Milt Louder, 7.25. And we'll get with uh, Tony Morrell at 8.05. Much more when you come back right after this. Landscaper Supply in Piedmont is having a big grand opening event February 23rd and 24th. Join Quok and Ben live on location from noon till 3 on Friday the 23rd. Lots of giveaways plus free food. Landscaper Supply, Highways 8 and 81, Piedmont. It's bow time. <laughs> Hurry into Bojangles for two scratch-made sizzling sausage biscuits for just four bucks. One bite and you'll want breakfast for dinner. Good thing we serve savory sausage biscuits all day. But this two-for-four deal won't last forever. It's bow time. <laughs> Don't let turnover stall your business. HTI is the Upstate's trusted attraction and retention partner. We work with employers to provide all things workplace, including recruiting, staffing, HR services, team building, and leadership training. Call Ryan at 513-6563 or visit htijobs.com backslash upstate today. Again, call Ryan at 513-6563 or visit htijobs.com backslash upstate today. I'm a donut nut, I'm a donut nut, I'm a nut for Krispy Kreme. I'm Glenn Reese with Krispy Kreme Donuts in Anderson and Spartanburg. We're open seven days a week. Pick up some delicious donuts and a cup of coffee. We'll help you raise money for your club, church, or group of worthy cause. Sell Krispy Kreme Donuts. Call Spartanburg and Anderson Krispy Kremes. I'm a donut nut, I'm a donut nut, I'm a nut for Krispy Kreme. 2008 was an incredible year for me and my family. Not only was it the year that I became head coach at Clemson, but it was also the year that I found the only dealership I need for sales and service. Toyota of Easley is my kind of place. If you are considering the purchase of a new or used vehicle or need your current vehicle serviced or repaired, 
then I encourage you to go see the winning team at Toyota of Easley. Be sure and tell them Dabo sent you. Dr. David Maruz, D.C. in Greenville, South Carolina, is here to guide you on your journey toward a pain-free life from peripheral neuropathy. And here's the exciting news. Take advantage of their limited time offer. Your initial Sumas laser treatment is just $79. Take the first step towards a brighter future. Call 864-292-6777 now to schedule your consultation with Dr. David Maruz, D.C. And schedule your initial treatment for only $79, absolutely commitment-free. Relieve peripheral neuropathy pain now. It's time to stop the debt collectors. It's time to get a fresh start. It's time to stop the foreclosures. Tax time is coming up. Time to do something for yourself. Time to get your fresh start. Come see Robert King for help. Call Robert King at 864-222-0200 or visit his website at www.thompsonking.com. Thompson & King is a debt relief agency. Robert King helps people file for bankruptcy relief under the bankruptcy code. Some people just know there's a better way to do things, like bundling your home and auto insurance with Allstate, or hiring someone to move your piano instead of doing it yourself. So do things the better way. Bundle home and auto and save up to 25% with Allstate. Bundled savings vary by state and are not available in every state. Saving up to 25% is the countrywide average of the maximum available savings off the home policy. Allstate Vehicle and Property Insurance Company and Affiliates, Northbrook, Illinois. Meet Cheryl. Hey. She's on vacation and lost in the moment. Unfortunately, so is her Chase debit card. It's got to be somewhere. Maybe she lost it at Salsa Night. These skirts should have pockets. Or maybe she lost it at Pilates. Three and two and... But ah. she's not worried. With the Chase mobile app, she can lock her card till it turns up. Tools that help protect. One bank that puts you in control. Visit chase.com slash checking. Chase, make more of what's yours. Chase mobile app is available for select mobile devices. Message and data reads may apply. J.P. Morgan Chase Bank and a member FDIC. Tee off your morning with the Mickey Flyler Show. Weekdays from 6 to 9 a.m. We take on our drivers, we tee up, and... <gasps> that ball goes sailing up into the sky, holds there for a moment, and then... <gasps> Only on 105.5 and 97.5 The Roar, where every day is game day. Think about zero res at zeroresgreenville.com. 4,000 reviews, over 4,000 reviews. And right now, their average star rating is a 4.8. That's hard to do in today's world. Think about our great friends at zero res, zeroresgreenville.com. Right now, three room special, $129. Mention my name, get a stairwell, staircase, cleaned for free. So why wait for spring cleaning for the official part of spring? Since it's warm enough already, scheduled online. Go to zeroresgreenville.com. 558 0 Spell it backwards or forwards. It's the right way to clean. Uh, air duct cleaning right now, $50 off uh, with your air duct cleaning uh, with the Air 50. Uh, pure air, safe air for your family. We'll love our friends over at Zero Res and Zero Res Greenville.com. Segment three now with the uh, facts and children. Facts, first an update. We are, the app is up and running okay. Uh, 97.5 is up and running okay, but we've got a transmitter issue at 
105.5. Yes, that's the current update on the technological situation. Okay. So if you can somehow hear this on 97.5 or the app, stay there momentarily. Should have it fixed by the beginning of next hour. Sounds great. Awesome is the case there. All right. Uh, back to some bracketology talk, uh, talk now in segment number two, three rather than two. Yeah, segment three, talking some bracketology today. Obviously, Clemson suffering an unfortunate loss to NC State this past week. Has damaged their stock a little bit, but not really in the NCAA tournament category. It's damaged their stock more in the ACC tournament. Mickey, we were talking a little bit off the air about how this doesn't affect the big picture for the Tigers in the NCAA tournament, but now it's going to be a real challenge to win the ACC tournament because you might have to potentially win four games instead of three. See, that's my big thing. And I want to be perfectly honest with this. I understand that the conference tournaments, the importance of the conference tournaments have diminished. That is not a secret to anybody. The ACC, SEC tournaments, Pac-12, Big Ten, these tournaments don't mean what they meant at one point in time. I get that. And if you are North Carolina or Duke, first of all, I don't understand that. It's not like that uh, playing deep in your conference tournament, playing more games in the conference tournament, seems like you get a better seed the more you play deeper in your conference tournament, you'd want a better seed going to the NCAA tournament. But we're so NCAA tournament field here. We do it in baseball as well as like uh, on on the Monday of the brackets. We won't even talk ACC championship. We'll be talking about the brackets. Like the brackets are the most important thing ever. And I'll ask you this. Would you rather win the ACC tournament or go to the NCAA tournament, win one game and lose in, in round two? I would probably rather win the ACC tournament. Right. I, th- I think that's probably a fair takeaway, but not necessarily just because, and there's going to be people who question that opinion, but it's because Clemson's never won the ACC that's tournament. That's my point. And it, it'll be different if we were Duke and North Carolina had 20 championships around here. We've never won one. And we don't know how much longer Clemson's going to be in the ACC. Let's just be right. transparent. Right. Let's go ahead and try to win this thing and do it now. Now, that's why Saturday night was just a killer. Did it hurt them in the net? No. Did it hurt their seedings? No. But it hurt them in the ACC. And, again, I think this team, mentioned before, where I think this is a one of only about 10 teams in 50 years of watching this thing, that Clemson has had the talent to win it. I think some of those mid-'70s teams, Trey Rollins, Stan Rome's teams, those had talent enough to win it. I think that 1980 team had the talent enough to win it um, with, with Nance and Bobby Conrad and Horace White and some of those guys. I think that, that Cliff Barnes is – I mean um, – Cliff Ellis's, uh, Eldon Campbell, David's, uh, David, uh, Dale Davis days, Grayson Marshall days. That those teams were good enough to win it. I think Rick Barnes had a team or two that's probably good enough to win it. I think uh, Oliver Purnell had a couple of Tiger teams that were probably good enough to win it. And I'm not sure uh, Larry Shot had any. I'm not sure that, that Brown has had any as of yet. The point there is, it's been just a few Clemson teams that had enough talent to win the ACC tournament. And in winning the ACC tournament the way that the, it is set up now, if the top four teams get a double bye, I think that this Clemson team is definitely good enough to win three games in three days. But I think it gets exponentially more difficult to win four games in four days. And that fourth seed in the ACC tournament, that's, that's what you – that was what was at stake Saturday. Not the, not the final stake, but that's what is at stake. You've, it, it's going to be terribly difficult to win four and four rather than winning three and three. And that's why Saturday Night's lost to me. I, I keep hearing everybody make excuses like, oh, well, it's not a big deal. It's not a big deal. No, that was a pretty big deal. Pretty pretty bad loss, especially at a 12-point lead. And so I don't want to just gloss over, well, you're still good in the ratings. Yeah. 
Why? So you can go win a couple games in the NCAA tournament and then lose after round two or lose in the Sweet 16? No, the ACC tournament is still special enough because of Clemson's lack of success in the ACC tournament. No, I, I am in agreement with you there, Mickey. But uh, what, I, what I will say throughout all of this is NCAA tournament and national championship are the ultimate big goal. But realistically, we're not expecting Clemson to be a contender. Therefore, the ACC tournament would be a nice way to head into the NCAA tournament if they were able to win it. I think that's probably what the takeaway is. But also, just looking back through Clemson's schedule and looking at this team's resume as a whole... Two and five now in one score games, three league losses by one point. What were your thoughts on how the way the game ended? I thought it was the right decision by Brownell to not call timeout. I thought Chase Hunter had the easy dump off pass to Ian Shefflin for the win. And if you can get your best guard going downhill to the basket in a game where he didn't play bad prior to that, I think you probably live with the results. Now, I will say, I disagreed with the no timeout call against Virginia. I saw a lot of people complaining about the no timeout call here. Saw a breakdown on Twitter. If you go back and watch the play, Chase is already past his man by the time he's at half court, and there's about seven and a half seconds on the clock. He got into a two-on-one game, might have gotten fouled by Middlebrooks, but should have made the pass. So uh, did you have any opinions on how the game ended? It was another one-point <laughs> loss for the Tigers. Yeah, I, I don't think – well, first of all, we always go to, to hindsight. When it doesn't work, you do that. Like if, it, if, if you got a timeout and you don't call it and it doesn't work, call one. If you, if you uh, have one and you call it and it doesn't work, you shouldn't have called it. So hindsight tells you all that. I didn't have any problem with not calling a timeout. Yeah, I think you got the look that you wanted. Had he made a pass to Shefflin instead, it really would have worked. Had the offensive rebound go back in, it really would have worked. So I had no problem at all with, with that. Now, again, those detractors, the anti-Brunel people will tell you, well, you should have called one. Yeah, when you don't call one or you do call one, in hindsight, when it doesn't work, you should have done that one because people are calling on both those things. I, I get that. Um, but, no, I, I think they got a good look. That's all you can really ask for. The problem was not the final sequence. The problem was the last seven or eight minutes of the game, which is different because in the Miami game and in the North Carolina game, in both those wins, the Tigers closed out the game. Clemson won the last four minutes in Chapel Hill. Clemson won the last four minutes at home against Miami. And this one, Clemson just got just gate and didn't give the game away. NC State did a good job. Horn did a great job of taking the game. But Clemson blew a 12-point lead. In the final 10 minutes of the game. Well, also, just realistically speaking, gave the game away is probably a little bit harsh. Yeah. But when you have a two-point lead and your offensive possession ends in turnover foul to set yeah. up the one-and-one uh, the one, and one where he made the front end, missed, and then P.J. definitely got fouled. Let's call it how it is. But whistle didn't go our way all night. So P.J. gets fouled, no call, turns the ball over. Morcel gets credit for the steal in the box score. And then, you know, Joe doesn't gap off of his man and Horn's able to get dribble drive penetration off the pick and roll. Realistically speaking, Clemson executed pretty well down the stretch prior to that Gerard turnover foul combo. It was really just the 30 seconds. I know NC State made a run to get back into the game, but Clemson never surrendered the lead until the very end of the game. I didn't like joe dribbling the basketball around in that possession like he just seemed like he's dribble dribble try to find around dribble 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 try to find around dribble 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 i didn't like that that setup at all i'd rather see more ball movement out of that one um so maybe a timeout at that point in time maybe would have been the case but not not in the last sequence for that and also people are forgetting uh because they're 
just looking for something to complain about with the timeout situation. Kevin Keats had used his final timeout on the possession prior yeah, so to Clemson. Set getting, their defense. Exactly. So yeah. why would you let them get a full court? Number one, they get to prepare looking at what you're going to do on the baseline out of bounds, and you have to go full court. You don't get to advance the ball. It was the right decision not to call timeout. They let the chips fall. Chase didn't make the pass. It is what it is. You got to take it on the chin. I think find a way is. to beat Georgia Tech. I, I think th- this is we retrofit our argument much like we do with do you foul or not foul at the end of games, you know, rather than, you know, someone, if you're up by three, do you foul or not? And every if, if you foul and he makes one, you give up an offensive rebound and they tie the game, then you should not have fouled. If you don't foul and he makes a three-pointer, then you should have fouled. But no one knows that going into all that. Clemson got a good look at the basket, two good looks actually, at the basket on the final drive. And that's about all you can ask for the game. The game once the game got down to there, that's fifty fifty, man. You're, yeah. you're that, that's you know you'll flip a coin, heads or tails. That's it. I get that. The point is that if you're up by twelve with ten minutes to go, that's not fifty fifty. That game was not lost in the final possession. That game was lost as as the twelve point lead was whittled down by by DJ Horn and NC State. Is it a fair point to say that this might be the first time Kevin Keats has arguably outcoached Brad Brownell in like three years? Yeah, I don't know. Again, I think we, we give too much credit for coaches when they win and too much blame when they lost. I, I'm That's not true. sure what Brownell could have done or should have done. Yeah. I agree. I think this comes down to well maybe have a more of an answer for DJ Horn defensively but but let's face it some of that was just high level shot making if we're being realistic i mean some yeah. of those were really contested tough some moving were. shots some were he's athletic enough to create his own shot there were some open looks though and that's where in your dna of who you are let's admit this clemson's not a very good defensive team in, in the backcourt in your dna this team is built around high skilled shooters when you, when you went and got a Joe Girard, what you're saying is we're going to sacrifice from defense, some defense for some more offense. Because Joe, as good as he is at shooting the basketball, he's not going to be um, mistaken for, for any kind of defensive stalwart. And so, uh, and Chase is good at some things, bad at some things. I thought P.J. Hall a, is a okay defender at some things. The farther you get a lot of these big men away from the ball, you know, that was P.J. out on horn on that last shot. Do you need to, you know, does he need to come out earlier on that on that possession? You know, there's some things in there, um, some questions on that in there. But but this is not. Let's don't. If Clemson beats you, it's not been on their wins this year. For the most part, it's not been because they've just been shut down defensively. Um, Can this, I expand this, on that point? Sure. Do you think that a part of that? Now, I just always go based off Ken Palm adjusted offense and defense numbers. Those are the best numbers, in my opinion, to fully evaluate what's going on because it takes all of your numbers, all of your advanced stats, and it throws it into an efficiency metric. So, but Clemson, also, if, if you're not like you can, if you're on on a night where you're facing a bad offense, you can get your numbers. Yeah. If you, if you played Virginia a couple of times, then your numbers are going to look better defensively. Yeah, that even is true. though you're still the same defensive team. Anyway, good. That that does play a, uh, a part into my point. So I'm glad you said that, Mickey. So Clemson's the 69th ranked defense in the country on adjusted defense. This is the first time I think this season that they've been outside the top 65. Because okay. um, I check it pretty frequently. But a part of that is when you look in the strength of schedule section. Clemson has played the 14th most challenging opposing offenses this year. So Clemson's playing some high level offenses. If you get them in the NCAA tournament, 
I think it's a different story on the defensive end just based off of matchups. I think the ACC is a really good offensive league. I think Clemson played a lot of teams that really have a focal point and emphasis on offense in the non-conference schedule. And as a result of that, the numbers are a little bit skewed. Now, would we both agree that Clemson is 100% a better offensive team than defensive team? What's their offensive yes. camp, Pomsta? Top 20. So they're 21 yeah. right now, but they've been top 20 <coughs> consistently the entire year. And that's with paying a, playing a pace that's been consistently outside the top 75 as yeah. well. This identity of this team is it's more offensive-oriented. That when Clemson's going to beat you, it's because on a night where Gerard shoots it well, where Hall gets it done offensively, where, yeah. where Hunter creates some things, where Ian gets some, some offensive putbacks and things on those lines. This team, uh, if, you're, if you're game planning against Clemson, the offense scares you. The defense doesn't scare you. You feel like we can do some things against them defensively. You know, offensively, when, when we're on offense, they're on defense. When you are on defense, there's some there's issues to face. Well, Mickey, let me ask you a question here. So, Texter gets in and uh, six five four roar on the Adams Co. Roofing text line if you want to get in with us. And also receiving word now that we are up and running yes. per normal. So, got those uh, technical difficulties Great. sorted out Good on, job. Good on job. that side. Um, but Mickey. Texter gets in and says, we sure seem to lose a lot of these 50-50 final possessions and rolling through the schedule just based off of the naked eye. I am seeing that Clemson is 2-5 and five in one-score games this year. And to expand on that point, I think it's five losses in a row for the Tigers in one-score games because you have the loss to NC State by one point. You have the loss to Virginia by one point. You have the loss to Duke by one point. You have the loss to Georgia Tech in double overtime by three points. And then you have the loss to Memphis by two points. Now, they were able to get two one-score victories very early in the season um, against UAB and Davidson actually back-to-back. But headed into postseason play, you know how gritty these games can get, how tough they can get down the stretch concern level on Clemson being two and five in one score games well there's there's different ways to lose one score games uh, close games oftentimes are won and lost at the free throw line and my level of confidence with Clemson at the free throw line is, is off the charts I think they're going to make their free throws yeah this is actually a pretty good free throw shooting team uh on the national and on the conference scale which now, people it, seem to forget it one or two of those losses PJ missed some clutch ones and, and Chase missed a clutch one or two so, not all the way. But, but if that is the case, if the game's at the free throw line, I feel pretty confident in that. If I have to get a stop, I don't feel very confident in that because I just don't – I think that Clemson has some, some holes defensively. Um, but the, you know, the key there is just not you – know, obviously don't let it come down to that. There's, and the surprising part there is that Clemson is very uh, experienced because sometimes you know, maybe youth kind of gets you there a little bit. But, but I'm surprised by that number that they've lost so many close last possession, one one possession games. They shoot the free throws well. They're good enough on the offensive end, and they're very experienced. So that's that's a, a pretty alarming statistic, if you ask me. Um, so, Mickey, on the national scale, Clemson is 12th in the nation in free throw percentage at 78.2 as yeah. a team. In yeah. conference games, they are second in the ACC. The team is shooting 81% from the charity stripe in ACC play. I know yeah. they've had a couple one-off games where they've missed a couple late. And, yeah, against Georgia Tech, that probably ended, ended up costing you the game. But push comes to shove, there's only 11 teams in the country better than Clemson at the free throw line. And you'd feel good about that. It, but but obviously there's some disconnect when it comes to the close games. And yeah, there, there's something about the, that close game that just, it, I don't know, I don't want to call it a panic button because I don't feel like Clemson's gotten bad shots necessarily, but the looks just haven't gone at the end of games. Confidence level expected to make it. I would tell you this, DJ Horn on Saturday night expected to make that shot. 
he will look, look, look extremely confident in trying to make that shot. Yeah, he drove the gap, got got that dribble drive penetration, got the big on him, and I, hit a tough floater. I, I thought he had way too easy of a look though for his for his skill set. I think you know, I don't know. Like uh, Jaminski said it best, you got to put a man and a half on him. Right. Like he he's the guy who's going to beat you, and to let the guy that you know is going to beat you beat you, that's what hurt. All right, uh, we'll come back. Eric Backich is going to talk Clemson baseball. We kick off our number two right after this. WCCP-FM 105.5, Clemson, Greenville-Anderson, WAHT AM 1560, Cowpens, 97.5, Spartanburg. We are the Roar.